Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church, and he addresses a lot of stuff in this entire book, but he basically kind of leads off with it right here in chapter 3 and verse 1. And and listen how he speaks to these believers, to these Christians. Verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now, that would be an okay statement if we were talking about a group of individuals that had just started walking out their kingdom life, right? Uh, We know 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You don't need to turn there. You can just jot it down. I think I gave it to the guys in the back. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says what? That the old is gone, the new is come. Did I give that to you guys? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, so that's that's the initial goal, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Everyone say all things. Well, that word all, uh, you know, he must have left out some things because not all became new. If you were uh, bald before you got saved, you're bald after you got saved. If you were short before you got saved, you're short after you got saved. If you were ugly before, you're ugly after. I just can't help you, man. Not all things, huh? No, all things in the spiritual sense. And so this is what we understand is that when you become a new creation, I love uh, the actual correct definition of that word new is something that has never existed before. New meaning something that is never, and we're talking brand new. We're not talking taking you to the car wash and just cleaning you up a little bit, but you're still running the same motor and the same stuff, and it still has the same starting issues and the the same transmission issues, and that door still creaks a little bit. Now, he means brand spanking new, something that has never existed. You're the first one off off the plant. You're the first one off the assembly line. Brand new. So your spirit man is saved. Everyone say is. Your spirit man is saved, but your flesh on the outside, Romans chapter 8 tells us our flesh cannot be saved. It actually says that your flesh wars against, is considered an enemy of God. So your flesh cannot be saved. Everyone say cannot. Your spirit is saved. Your flesh cannot be saved. That's why Paul encourages us to crucify the flesh. What do I do with a flesh that can never be saved? I kill it. I put it under subjection, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I rule over it instead of it. If I do not rule over my flesh, my flesh will rule over me. That's, that's, there, there is no in-between. Whatever you lay lingering, whatever you leave alone, Whatever you just say, well, you know, I'm not going to confront it, but I'm not going to allow it either. Well, it's eventually going to override and overrule even your spirit, man. The crucifixion of the flesh and the, the, the dying to the flesh. And again, when he's saying flesh, not talking about the physical flesh, of course, we know this. We're talking about the fleshly nature 
the desires of the flesh, the wants of the flesh, the sinful nature that we're all born into. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now we've got this soul realm. The spirit is saved instantly. You can't be any more saved than the day you confess Jesus is Lord. In God's eyes, he doesn't see you anymore. He sees Jesus. That's why Paul uses this terminology in Christ. That's your identity now. He sees you, he sees Jesus. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't feel spiritual. Well, it's not based on feelings, thank God. Well, you don't know what I did yesterday. Well, thank God it's not based on my, not living at the mercy of my past and live at the mercy of my experiences and my exposures and what I've been through. I'm living to Christ. And, the sac- and now I've met all the conditions in him. But now we have this soul. Everyone say soul. The soul is being saved. Everyone say being saved. So the spirit is saved. The flesh cannot be saved. And the soul is being saved. And this is the thing about uh, the, the soul and the spirit. You can write down the day your spirit got born again, got saved, got delivered. You can write the date down. You might remember where you were. You might remember who prayed with you. You might remember the the, the moment, the compulsion on the inside, the, the, the drawing. Man, I got to give my life to Christ. I got to lay this old thing. I mean, you know, I've seen some people rejoice and just be happy. I've seen others just be so sorrowful and repentant. You, you get all types of emotions. You can remember that moment. You might have it written in your Bible. If you don't remember it, you probably know somebody that does remember whoever was with you in that moment. It's an event. Event. But spiritual growth is not an event. Spiritual growth is a process. It's an ongoing process. It's being saved because now this soul realm is still tied to either my flesh, what the flesh wants, those lustful desires, the sinful activity, what came natural, say, well, well, Pastor Mark, I was born this way. Well, thank God we can be born again. Amen. Hallelujah. He, He solved the problem all the way back at inception. There's nothing you were born with in a sinful nature that you have to continually live subjected to. Now I can take that soul, my mind, my will, not my emotions, and rather than constantly following and engaging my fleshly, sinful desires, I can start engaging kingdom desires, the spirit desires from the inside. And so Paul is addressing these individuals in 1 Corinthians 13. If any man is, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, if any man is in Christ, well, he uses this terminology in 3 verse 1, 1 Corinthians, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So now he's qualifying it even further. You can be in Christ, but there are levels in Christ. And people don't like that because we just, we have this concept that if I just cross the line, I'm in. There's nothing else to do until I die and go to heaven. Right? It's the, it's the path of least resistance. It's the, it's the life that demands as little responsibility and, and, and literal, uh, or as little intention as possible. But Paul is identifying, hey, there's stages to this thing. Now, this is what we know historically speaking that this letter to this Corinthian church was written anywhere from four to seven years after he planted this church. 
Now, when we say planted the church, we're talking about the inception of the church. And most likely, these individuals were the first believers in this community in Corinth. And Paul most likely led them to Christ. Paul most likely was the individual that said, hey, let me preach to you a new gospel. Let me preach to you some good news. Let me preach to you what, what, what this man named Jesus came and did. He came to usher in a new kingdom, a new wave. And man, he laid his life down for you. And every sin you've committed, every sin you're ever going to commit, he took upon that cross, he died, and he rose again. I know they don't want you to believe that he rose again. They want you to believe. Because at this point, you know, a lot of these individuals were alive when that happened, when that event took place. That man, Jesus, they may have, uh, you know, heard about in close proximity, maybe even been around at some point. And so Paul's relating this, this message. Well, that four to seven years, we know later on we discovered that Paul, he plants this church, but then he hands it off to another man named Apollos. Later on in this chapter, actually, in chapter three, he says, uh, you know, I planted, meaning I, I put this church here. You all came into the kingdom and came into the family because of me, but Apollos watered. But he says what? God gives the increase. It's not about the role. It's not about who started it. It's not about who's watering it. It's not about who's taking care of it. It's not about who completes it. It's about what God is doing and how he's using each of us in different capacities. But when I planted this church, that was the inception. That was the beginning. That was the birthing process. But now he's talking to them in Christ. But he says, I can't speak to you as spiritual people. He says, I must speak to you as babes in Christ. Look at this in the uh, Amplified, uh, verse 1 in the Amplified. However, brethren, everyone say brethren. So who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. I mean, they didn't just call everybody brethren. They were, he was talking to family in the kingdom of God. He says, brothers and sisters. Where? In Christ, brothers and sisters. So we know he's, he's directing this to the church. We are not directing this at unbelievers. We're not placing on unbelievers an expectation of following and living by the Spirit. But upon believers, those that have committed to their, their lives to Christ and are now in Christ, he says, however, brethren, I could not talk to you as to spiritual uh, men, but as to non-spiritual, watch this, men of the flesh. So they're brethren, but yet they're men of the flesh. In whom the carnal nature predominates. As to mere infants in the new life, in Christ, unable to talk yet. This is what the Amplified says, expounds a little more, shows us a little more of Paul's expectation. Apparently, Paul is setting a standard that the expectation of a believer four to seven years after they've given their life to Christ, we ought to expect to see some level of fruit. And he is actually uh, uh, acknowledging here, we ought to see you have... Uh, evolved beyond the capacity of babes in Christ, unable to speak yet. Mere men, mere infants. What does that mean? 
dominated by fleshly desires. So we're in Christ, but now we're learning in Christ has levels. Now we're learning that there's first babes in Christ. And I just got in the kingdom. So I might have things that slip out that shouldn't be. I might have activity. I might have, uh, you know, uh, attitudes or responses or reactions or or thoughts. Uh, And we're not even just talking about sinful activity. He goes on and addresses quite a bit of sinful activity. You think some churches in the United States are crazy. Go read about the Corinthian church. And I I read a thing the other day that said, you know, if if Paul knew what was happening in America, he'd be writing us a church right now. (laughs) He'd be writing us a letter right now, right? The letter to the church in the United States of America. And it'd be a lot, it'd be first and second, double that. We'd have a first, second, third, fourth, fifth. It'd just keep on going. He's addressing these these stages. He says, your brethren, you're in Christ, but babes in Christ. Now I have left you under the direction of a man who he affirms. So sometimes you might think, well, it must have been the leadership. Must have been that pastor that he put in place. Must have just been ineffective. No, he affirms Apollos and he says, he, he calls Apollos a godly man. He, he uh, uh, strengthens his leadership and says, you need to be following this man. And he affirms him and he's in the right role and in the right. So it's, it, it's even with good leadership, we see a, a failure of growing to a certain level. We all come into the kingdom as babes in Christ, by the way. Just like you don't come into this natural world as an adolescent, a child, or, of, of course, an adult. You don't come into the kingdom at a certain degree. Nothing in your previous life, no matter how well you lived, how good you lived, how, 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 how you know, clean cut you were, and I just needed Jesus, that was the last missing. No, you, he's not just the missing piece, he's the whole thing. And he says, even in the kingdom, our righteousness is still just as filthy rats. So it's not based on that. We all come in as babes in Christ. In Christ, but now we're recognizing their stages. There's babes in Christ, an infancy stage. But now he's saying, I'm writing to you because I'm hearing of things that are happening. And you're still, still at the level that I left you at. And it's been four to seven years later. Now, you can't put a timeline on spiritual growth and spiritual development. You know, uh, my, you know we've got two boys. We've got a, a 12-year-old and a, and a two-year-old. And sometimes you don't know which one's the 12-year-old and which one's the two-year-old. I'll just be honest. The two-year-old acts like a 12-year-old. He's like, okay, you're the big man in town. And then the 12-year-old acts like a two-year-old. But, you know, we were at our, our two-year checkup for Austin. Um, he was born premature. He was born at 31 weeks. Camden was born at 27 weeks. Camden was one pound, 10 ounces. And uh, Austin was two pounds, something ounces, seven or eight ounces, something like that. We just get them out early, man. It's like, what are you camping out in there for? Come on out, you know, just come hang out with us, you know. Must got a mission in life, got to get here early. And so, you know, for those first two years, 
they're checking his development, that, uh, you know, both of the boys, but, you know, this is real raw and, and current with Austin, checking development, talking, and, and, and you know, putting things together, and, and, you know, they have this whole track of how many weeks early was he, and then they try to gauge based on that, and, of course, eventually they grow out of that. Well, just as we're gauging development in a, a natural being, and there's no set timeline. There's no, okay, by the, the you know, uh, I don't know, 108th week, they should be here specifically. But you got a good range. And so Paul is, we, we, we're getting a range here on spiritual development. We're getting a range of, okay, four to seven years, somewhere in here, we ought to be able to see some of these things Put off, and then he he basically writes the rest of the book, and it's everything from uh, a, a young man uh, fornicating with his stepmom, that that's in there, uh, taking each other to court, that's in there, all the way to backbiting and envies and lying about each other. Even down at the end of the book, he starts talking about spiritual practices. He addresses tongues and interpretations of tongues and prophecies and, and, and some of the gifts and how they're being utilized in the church. He's addressing all these issues saying for a church four to seven years young, there's an expectation. Verse two in the New King James, verse two, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. What does that tell us? When you're at a certain level, you can only handle certain things. Remember, in verse 1, the first thing he said was what? I cannot speak to you as. Now, why are we going here? If we're going to minister on Sundays on living aware, got to recognize my awareness is limited by maturity and development in the things of God. This is not just about sinful activity, although that's part of it. This is not just about living holy and pure and righteous, although that's obviously a big part of it. This is about creating a connection where I'm so in sync and in tune. Don't get tired of hearing that. Because that's where we're going. I'm talking about a teaming up with heaven that cannot be broken. I'm talking about a teaming up where, with heaven where all hell can break loose around you and you are the answer to the solution, not just an added complainer of the problem. Come on. I'm talking about so in sync with the Father. But Paul's identifying some things. You're going to be limited in capacities of kingdom work and kingdom assignment if we don't have a growth scale, if we don't have a, 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 a plan for developing and growing in the things of God. Typically, when we talk about spiritual growth or spiritual development, you know, it's typically in light of putting off fleshly, you know, sinful things, which we need to. But I want to, I want to channel this in a direction of our influence, our impact, being the answer, being the agent of change. It's going to be limited as well. This is not just about you creating a mark of spiritual growth and development. I have now matured. It's about, what do we say? The reward for maturity is responsibility. And I don't know about you, but I want to take on that responsibility. I just saw someone quoted this way. I think it was, I think it was uh, Bill Johnson said it this way. Gifts are free, but maturity is expensive. Gifts are free, 
I'll tell you something right now. The gifts of the Spirit do not make you spiritual. Come on. I had someone ask me one time, I was like, why, why, you know, they, they watch someone fail, they watch someone falter. We see this happen. That's usually people high up, leaders of large mega churches that fail morally, financially, doctrinally, whatever. Why? But but yet you could see the anointing on them. You could see the remnants of the healings and the miracles and the influence and even the messages. Why would God allow such, you know, d- you know, defiling people to to do these things. You know why? Because he loves the recipient of the gift. The gift doesn't say anything about me. The gift says something about you, that he loves you so much that he would use me to administer heaven on earth. It speaks to God's love for the recipient. So gifts don't make us spiritual. Which would you rather have, gifts of the spirit or fruit of the spirit? <laughs> Many times we can see the tongues and interpretation and the prophecies and the healing of miracles, but we're lacking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. I had a minister tell me one time, he said, I've been invited into back rooms, green rooms of conferences where of ministers of, of high scale, and he says, I've refused to go. I've restrained myself. Because I, I don't want to, to get so close to somebody that I can't receive from them because I see how they are up close. Because we all look different up close, guys. You know that. We all look close. Come spend a week with me in these offices. Ask our employees. I, I, it, and that, that doesn't mean I'm different on the stage and I'm off the stage, but you get to see the real when you get up close. And you might be, wow, he does that. He works this way. He, he talks that way. Da, 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 da. Not that it's sinful activity, but it, it would create a separation where I can't receive. In one sense, it makes it creates a familiarity. Because at the end of the day, we're all human. At the end of the day, we're all real people. And I have to put things down just like you have to put things down. I don't stand up here because I've necessarily overcome uh, or, you know, in a sense that it doesn't, it's not a temptation or not an issue for me. I choose to overcome. I choose to put down. Come on. I choose to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Okay? But Paul is saying that we've got these, these, these levels. And if we're going to mature, if we're going to develop, we're going to have to be intentional about that growth. And he says, I can't deliver to you. I can't speak to you. I can't say things that I want to say, that I need to say. Not because I can't do it. Not because I don't know, not because I don't have the capacity. Even Jesus did this one time with his disciples. He says, there's many more things that I'd love to share with you, but you can't bear them now. But then one day will come where you can. And I want to be in a a position, God, if there's something I can't see or you're not revealing or I, I haven't seen yet, I want to posture myself in a place where one day I can. I want to posture myself in a, in, a, in, a, in a yielded state that says, what do I need to lay down? What do I need to take on? So that I can 
position myself to hear you so clearly. I've just been on that for probably for the last 60 to 90 days now. We've got to hear him more clearly than we ever have. Discernment has got to be key in these last days. Everything that you want in life, everything that God wants to do in the end days, in the last days, it's going to require such an intense level of discernment and an intense level of receiving from heaven. And so if Paul is saying, I could not speak to you, I could not say things to you, I could not share with you because you couldn't bear them because you haven't addressed something. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. I gave you what I could. I've said this before. If, if, if you're in a state right now where you're having a hard time hearing what the next thing is, where the next thing is, kind of feel clouded, it's time to check some things internally. It's time to look at some things inside and say, God, God what, where, where, what, what, what is off track? Where have I not tuned in? Where, where have I not, uh, uh, you know, fully inclined mine ear, right? I know this, God wants us to hear. God never speaks without, want us, without wanting us to receive on the other end. He never does. He doesn't speak just to speak. God is very intentional with his words. He's so intentional with his words that he wrapped it in flesh and sent it to us made his word flesh to dwell among us. That shows you the value God has for his word. And he wants that word to pierce through each one of us so that we can be activated for the assignment he has for us, to know his plan and his purpose. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able. He says, for you're still carnal. Where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? The Amplified reads it this way, verse two. I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. Guys, God's, sometimes God's withholding and restraint from speaking to you and I is his mercy on our life because he knows we couldn't bear it, we couldn't understand it, or the second he speaks it, we now become responsible for it and he knows we're not at the level we can live responsibly with it. You don't give the keys of the car, come on, to an eight-year-old. They cannot bear it now. And God's smart enough with his word to know when you can handle it and when you can't. Well, how's that possible when we have a room full of people at different levels in their spiritual walk? The Holy Spirit. He's the revealer of truth. I am not the revealer of truth. I am not. That's what I love about this assignment is I can communicate the word across all the different paths of life and all the different experiences and all the different uh, backgrounds and, and all the different levels of spiritual development. 
And the Holy Spirit knows exactly what each of you needs and knows how to communicate it and get it to you and reveal it to you on the level you can handle it. I'm not that smart. They can't teach you that in Bible school. You can't do this long enough and learn how to talk to the, 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 the babes in Christ and the adolescents in Christ and the mature in Christ. That's impossible. There's no way. I'd have to have three different services for, for three different levels of spiritual development. But yet the Holy Spirit can get them all in one room and the babe in Christ gets something that's not too burdensome and not too overbearing and then the mature in Christ gets something. See, if you're, if, you're in, if you're mature in Christ and think, well, I can't go there because they don't go deep enough. Now, there's certain revelations that need to be uh, ministered and be taught, but, but sometimes, uh, you know, we're not as mature as we think. Sometimes God has to teach us some elementary things. I mean, Paul's letting this church right here know you're not as mature as you think. He has, he's not making any bones about it. He's not withholding. You're a babe in Christ. We're still at the infancy stage. We all want to think we've grown out of the days where I can only handle milk, where I take the bowl of spaghetti and I dump it on my head, where I eat with my hands. Come on. I, I, I've, I've thought about it for years. Maybe one day I'll do it. I want to do a series on spiritual growth, and I want to make a video where an adult eats at a table like a child, does everything that Austin does in his high chair. Throws it on the ground, picks at it with his fingers. All the things he does, puts it all, I mean, you know, it, we know, dinner, bath. It's, it's, there's, there's no, you're going straight from the dinner table to the bathtub. But what? We ought to grow out of those things, grow beyond those things. This is, again, this is not just about maturity saying, look at me. It's about being used for kingdom purposes. It says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough. Verse 3 says, in the Amplified, for you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. Guys, it's time for us to live beyond the ordinary. It's time where spiritual things become more natural than the natural. It's time where fear might be a natural response, but we rise up in courage. Come on, boldness. Where it might have been uh, more easy, uh, more natural to doubt and disbelieve. Doubt is just unbelief in diapers. Come on. Doubt grows up and becomes unbelief. Doubt, it, it shows up as an infant. Oh, it's just, it, it can't hurt you. It's innocent. Oh, I don't know if God could. But before you know it, you're just full on. No, God would never do that. You got to cut off doubt early. So it's recognizing these things as a spiritual believer and not tolerating and allowing the things that we know can compromise us later on. You're still unspiritual having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. What controls everybody else shouldn't control us. 
For as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard in like mere unchanged men? I heard this quote years ago. The greatest power of the gospel is its ability to change those that yield to it. The greatest power of the gospel is its ability to change those that yield to it. I don't know about you, but I don't want a gospel that doesn't have the power to change me. You can leave it at home. I'll keep my Wednesday nights. I'll keep my Sunday mornings. If this doesn't have the power to change, transform from the inside out, if you're telling me that I'm reading my Bible and I'm crying out to a God and, and, and I'm doing all this activity, but yet I, I remain unchanged, you can leave it. I don't want it. But the greatest power that the gospel has, it is, and, and look, people are trying to change these things from the outside in. People are tired of the way that they talk and the way that they act and the way that they behave and the way that they burst out into outrage and, and, and the way that they, uh, you know, gossip and the way that they get offended so easily and the way that they harbor unforgiveness and the way that they doubt and disbelieve and the way that they just go through the motions and the nine to fives. They're tired of that. They want something that can actually transform them, transform what they do not have the ability to transform on their own. Without the 12-step programs, and without the therapy money, and without, uh, you know, having to leave this and do that and go here and go there, without having to do all the chores of life, God wants to instantly transform some things. And people do not want another method thrown at them that doesn't yield the power to truly transform, that doesn't have the capacity to undo and unhinge the brokenness from the past and move us into a future that God has for us. They're looking for transformation. The church has bought the lie for too long that we have to look like the world to reach them. They're looking for what we have. They're looking for a power beyond ourselves. Watch them right now with this young man that was injured Monday night. Look at the responses. I don't know how many times, I, 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 I lost count how many times in, in just the two or three hour time span of watching the television, we're lifting up prayers, we're giving, we're offering up prayers, we keep a man in your prayers. And I'm thinking, somebody pray already. Stop and pray. And finally, Chase, you sent me the video, somebody I already, I had already seen it a dozen times of a young man on ESPN the one guy that doesn't cuss and the one guy that, that says, you know, uh, the replacement words for all the cuss words that everybody else throws out all the time. You know he's a believer. He, he puts it out there and he's not shy about it. And they, they mess with him about it. But he finally, on his show, I guess yesterday, literally on the NFL Live show, on ESPN, stopped and said, I'm going to pray right now. And I was saying that on night one with, with, with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck and, and, and Scott Van Pelt. Somebody just stop right now and pray. There's power in prayer. We know this. This is what the world's looking for. Somebody that's actually got an answer. 
Not just the, the regular religious activity. God's doing some things in these last days. I don't just say that to just, you know, lure you on and give you hope for the future. I, I, I say that because he's up to something. You've got to see what he is doing. And living aware of the presence of God, the glory of God, and the purposes of God is going to require us to come up a level. We need to come up a level. Not just from babes in Christ. But if I'm supposed to go from a babe in Christ to the next level, then there must be another level beyond that. And there must be, and the great thing about this, guys, is we never outgrow maturing and developing in Christ. You'll never age out. You'll never graduate from the school of spiritual development. You'll never walk across the stage. I've learned it all. I've done it all. Right? And it's the most exciting journey to continually learn, to continually discover, to see another side. There are angels flying around the throne 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they get back around and they see another side of God. It's like, oh my gosh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And every time they come around, they see a new representation of glory, a new representation of kingdom, a new representation of the Father. It never gets old. It never becomes familiar. The the growth in the spiritual walk in the life of the believer is never something you tire of. Oh, if I tire, if I get weary, if I get wore out, man, I got to just see something else about God I haven't seen before. I posture myself as a constant learner, as a dweller, to abide. <laughs> we said it Sunday, what you abide in is what you become aware of. You want to become aware of more? Abide in more. Yield to more. Dwell in more. Live in more. So we're going to go on this journey because I, I, don't want, I, I don't want the conversation with God of there was more I had to tell you. There's more I wanted to show you. But you, we won't go there tonight. We'll, we'll unpack this more and more. But in Hebrews, many believe Paul wrote that book as well. Reiterates the same thing. There's much more we wanted to share with you, but you became dull in your senses. You became dull in your senses. I, and there was a need, there was an expectation, there was a desire from these writers of these books to say, man, you don't even know what you're missing out. You don't even know how much he wants to unveil. I mean, I want to live, this doesn't mean head in the clouds, you're a weird person, you can't have normal conversation. This means that, that you, there's such an awareness and such a connection with heaven that it just flows through you naturally, you won't even realize you're bringing heaven. On the ball fields, the workplace, whatever, whatever situation we find us in, we can have answers that no one else can have. 
we can have a connection with the Father and a connection to heaven that says, I'm literally bringing heaven to earth. I'm not talking about fire from the sky and glory clouds following you everywhere and everything you touch turns to gold. And We're talking about being agents of change. Glory carriers. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.